0: Hey guys, what's going on? Thanks for tuning into the show. I just wanted to let you know that this episode right here, it contains explicit content. So if you got some kids around, if you got the dogs around, and you don't want them to hear bad language, you want them to hear some really, really dirty words, i put them to bed. Uh, other than that, enjoy the show. Like pimp culture first, from the way I see it, it's like pimp, pimp culture, mob music, um... Highly directional maybe with the keek the sneak and three times crazy, um G fourteen classified, raw and uncut, and then and then the hyphen movement, like just like that, bam, like right into the hyphy movement, early two thousands.
1: Okay,
0: ready? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Hey, what's going on, y'all? It's Tevin West, Sox Radio. That's where you at. So uh, today, I just want to make sure that I, before anything happens regarding the show, I just wanted to shout out uh, our international community. It has started. is is started to grow. Uh, we got our first. Um, we got our first uh, audience outside of the U.S., outside of the United States, and that would be Belgium. So to my viewers and my listeners in Belgium, I I see you. I acknowledge you. I very much appreciate you listening in. Uh, as I had told my uh, audience uh, stateside that I'm working on getting situations where I'm more accessible to you guys, where we can go back and forth. And it's not just say like clearly and concisely, like, thank you to my viewers in Belgium. And we can't do anything but grow from here, guys. So. Uh, let's move on um, Peanut, shout out to Peanut And shout out to Six Because they had We had a conversation <clears throat> I was at the house last night And they had, we had a conversation about um, Giving things as proper due You know what I mean And we were listening to uh, Actually episode 13 the Frisco Baby And um, we were going over it And I very much Respect the opinion of these two um, one because you know six is a professional battle rapper who has a an established, he has established content on YouTube. Uh, you know Wartown battles on YouTube, that's his league. He owns it. So I respect his opinion first and foremost because he does good business. Okay, um, um, you know Peanut was just like, you know uh what I was telling her about my inspiration behind naming the episodes, and um. I was telling her that I was inspired because of a certain area in the United States and the people that it comes from over there. And she was like, well, you should shout that out. You should shout that place out. You should you should give them some their respect. And I thought that I was giving I thought I was giving this place like respect and a, on a humble tip by just kind of like naming it and then just kind of letting it go. And then just if somebody figures it out, they'll figure it out. And I did think about like dedicating time aside to, to talk about this, because what came with it was a lot of research. Um, and I I had I still, you know, I'm still, like I had been researching this stuff and I've been living with it. You see what I'm saying? I've been researching this stuff for, for, for a while. And uh, now it's just kind of coming together where I can just bring it all together. So I think you know, it only makes sense to that. I, dedicate this episode uh to the bay area you know what i mean the bay area is in the people that live there and its music scene more importantly is uh inspiration at least to a portion of the show you know a lot of the episodes that i named they are they are names from um albums that people produced uh in 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 the bay area and uh I'll get into what, what what a lot of that means and what it means to me. Um, so I, I mean it's hard it was hard for me to talk about it at first, not because you know like of the research and stuff that comes along with it. it was it was difficult for me to get get centered on it because my music selection it varies so much like my music selection varies so much before we go on. And um, I just have such a wide variety of, like, music's, s- like, enjoyment that I felt like it would have been hard for me to talk about my music. Because really, like, I'm the guy that, like, when they talk about, like, playing the ox and stuff, like, I don't really want to play it. Because it's not, it's not, it might not be pleasing to your ear. You know what I'm saying? It's really what I like to hear. Because I'm just so all over the place. You know, I will listen to the Bay Area guys, like, E-40, Keek the Sneak. Um, San Quinn, Messi Marv, uh Filthy Rich, G Easy, Kamaya. I mean, I listen to these to these people. You know what I'm saying? But I also will listen to the Gorillas. You know, what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean. I also <laughs> I'll be listening to the Gorillas. I, I also listen to to um to, to Future. You know, I I also listen to Lecrae. I but I. I also like Adele. I like Adele as well. I, you know, I also like SWB. You know what I mean? I like I like Aaliyah. So I like a lot of different type of music. You know what I mean? I'm I like Drake. I, I like a lot of different artists, but this particular area, um, the Bay Area, is something that sticks to me really, really. So Bay Area has a it's had a few mainstream moments, but it's. It's mostly been on an independent grind for, like, decades. You know what I'm saying? And when I say when I say the Bay Area, uh, I refer to, like, the San Francisco Bay and the culturally diverse region of Northern California, or as some people would call it, Northern California, or simply NorCal. So places like San Fran and also, like, Oakland, which is nicknamed the town, you know, it's nicknamed the town, and that's why I call my city Warner Robins the town. I was inspired by Oakland. It's it's Oakland. And, um, it Oakland now is more of a fallen city. You know, um, all the pro teams like Oakland Raiders and Oakland A's are about to leave. Um, uh, this um the Warriors I think used to play in Oakland at the Oracle, I think so, and then they moved. But you know, uh, it's kind of like a fallen city now. But back in this day, you know, it was a it was a scene for the movement of the Black Panther Party. And uh, it was kind of like a black person's heaven, honestly. Um, Is a, a source for a lot of creativity. Um, the Mac was shot there, which was one of um, the early, which was one of the black exploitation films. Um, Richard Pryor was also in that, so it was just taking a look into like um, fancy, ma- ma- for lack of a better term, pimp culture. And then, um, yeah, so Oakland, like got a lot, got a lot of love for Oakland, but but it's more of a fallen city nowadays, but. And all the pro teams left, but except for the Oakland Roots, which is <laughs> it's the most randomest thing ever. Ironically, it's a lower league pro soccer club that plays in the USL championship. There's an episode I was talking about this stuff, uh, USL and the divisions in soccer. But you also have to be places like, uh, you also have places like, like Richmond and Sacramento, which is the capital of California, and then Berkeley that get like a runoff of the predominant influence that comes from the Bay. But they also keep their own unique style. You know, Sa- Sacramento is probably one of the last civilized places in California. Uh, and then you got Berkeley that is, uh, has Cal, Cal University. So, um, you know, uh, you got places that, cause that's, so they're like a, like a, like a, like a, like a, like a Ivy league type school. So they, they keep their own, it's a, it's a school, place so and then um and then sacramento is like the capital of california so it's like they're gonna keep it clean they're gonna keep it you know for the most part where it's super it's actually super conservative in sacramento so um they're gonna keep it upright (laughs) um but uh yeah those places they get a runoff from the bay but but um but they also keep their unique style so i also like that about music because that's what you know that's what this uh that's what this episode is about. The Bay Area music scene. And and, and it's given, you know, me inspiration to, to you know to do this to do this podcast. It's giving me sources of inspiration. Seven, seven and a half million people live in the Bay. And there's uh They're like all crucial to the music scene, bro. The Bay is it's seven point five million people. That's a lot of people. Like we have Erwin Robbins the whole Middle of Georgia area is like I don't even think it's I don't even. It's not even close to a million people. Population is one hundred fifty three thousand as of two thousand eighteen. So yeah, we're not even close. Seven point five million people. Oh man, so much. That's so many people. So so much opportunity for creativity. I just want to ask you, what do you think about when you think of when you when you hear San Francisco? What do you think about? I know for me, like it's more like off the top. I'm thinking like social media companies. Um, maybe wine company, wine companies like Silicon Valley and stuff like that. But you know, some of my older crowd, you may think of like Summer of Love. You know, when in the sixties in the hippies got together and they converged in San Francisco, um, and they just basically vibed out. That's as far as I'm going to go into it. Either way, it's like the Bay's like been like a, like a creative source of um, like boundary breaking things and like you want to you got to understand when when i'm talking about the bay is music the bay area and the music scene um you got to understand that major labels largely bypassed and ignored bay area artists at the beginning of hip-hop's golden age and so the golden age of hip-hop or rap is defined by wikipedia as mid-1980s to the early mid-90s um so, you know, um, you can see just in the timeline, like yourself, like you don't even have to be like a fan of it, of of, of this genre of music or music in general. Some people just listen to podcasts. <laughs> so, the uh, mainstream chose Southern California's gangster rap first. Um, but. I think that You know pretty much allowed For wider creative freedom Yeah I mean You know Like listening to artists Like Too short E40, Keep the Sneak Like I had already previously mentioned Even Mac Dre um, Rest in peace Mac Dre um, If you li- just go listen to some of those guys And like they're talking about things that like you're like, man, you can't. You might not be able to say that. If you really listen to the music, you're like, oh, can you say that? Like, on the radio? Well, you probably could now, but back then, it's like, nah, you can't say it on the radio, which is kind of weird, but it's not because it was bad. It was just because mainstream chose to do Glorify, the gangster rap, instead of this culture's rap, and I'll get on to what this, what this culture's music is, but, you know, if, if you're listening, I was talking about how since they got ignored by radio they were on a, like I was talking about in the beginning like I don't know if I did say this but it's like they've been on an independent grind for decades yeah I did say that they've been on an independent grind for decades so like <clears throat> that allowed them to get more money and that allowed them to get um, like figure out how to run the business better for themselves and do good business you know kind of like like be their own boss for real for real you know so cuz like in like generally it's the record companies and i got my hand up here high and then it's you know um uh, there's a middleman like a manager or something or maybe another music company a parent company and then maybe there's like then after that there's the manager <laughs> and then you know after that there's the associated acts so the associated act is just an employee for all the way up the chain even though they have the manager and they're paying the manager out of their you know what comes from the beginning it goes to the big big the company then it goes to the parent company or the representative of the company and then it goes to the it goes to the manager of the associated act and then it goes to the associated act so essentially you're not a boss essentially (laughs) so um, these artists they were able to figure out how to get in the lane of um, self-sufficiency where it's like I I own the accountability and the responsibility for the merchandising the accounting the payroll the promotion the studio budget and all those things and and it allowed them to be able to set up situations where they can create their own companies because they don't have anybody really backing them. They might have an investor, but at the same time, the investor just wants his share return. You still got to be able to provide your own base for continued passive income. It allowed them to have to, it made them be more accountable for their own business and it gave them a wider creative freedom because they were able they were had to do this and the radios didn't pay attention to them so it gave them an opportunity to do that and be creative at the same time so like i was saying too short e40 keep the sneak mac dre even modern day bay, bay area bay area artists and i already talked about some of these people i just i just said their name g easy larry june Kamaya, filthy rich i mean you get um like i said fancy man mac or for lack of a better term pimp culture that's the you got some social justice going on there at times, and then you got things like Larry June talks about, like eating healthy and like living a, a stress free life at times, um, while also telling people to keep it cool. Uh, there's there's one thing here that you're you're not gonna miss. It's the car culture. I mean, bro, there's like hundreds. I mean, like hundreds of album covers with Bay Area artists just posing. With or on, and then or in some form or fashion, with their decked out like Mustangs, the BMWs, the Mercedes, Rolls Royces, Chevys, you, like you name it, bro. Like it's like there's a there's an album cover. Um, E40's brother, D Shot, like three of the four album covers is him like in front of a car. Like the first one he put out, which was his solo album, his first solo album was put out at least Spotify on Spotify's turn. It says 1997. Six figures, and one of my episodes is named Six Figures. It actually is, he's 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 a really really smooth rap, he's E40's brother. So, like, his first album cover in 1997 has him in like a in the desert. Um, it has him in the desert, and it has him like uh with his he got <laughs> my friend Jamari says that he has on like church clothes, like, <laughs> you just gotta go look at it. It's six figures, the album is called Six Figures, but. He's standing. I, I assume that he's a pretty tall guy. Um, he's got on these. Um, he's like black pants, black long shirt, and some like got to be some like loafers, some really nice loafers. A nice what looks to be sort of like a fancy looking Gucci belt at the time. I don't know. He's got glasses on. He's got a cigar like super long out of his mouth, and he's he just got his hands in his pant loop and his belt and just holding him up like I'm I'm big daddy you know what I mean and then behind him it's this freaking H1 all white hummer <laughs> with white white rims you know what I'm saying in the desert you know what I'm saying with the red backdrop it's so hard and then like another album he has this, it's it's labeled money sex and drugs it has him like in the front and in the back is like Two Rolls Royce, one white that says D Shot One, and the other one's black, that says D Shot Two. And then, like, another album he has is called Presidential. <laughs> it is like, it's got him, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, with a praying hands with a Bentley behind him. And then he's got another one called, it's a compilation album called Boss Ballin'. It is like volume one, and volume two is like, uh, the first one's got him in front of his little white Lexus two door coupe. So, uh, Kamaya has the same thing going on with one of her mixtape slash albums. He had her uh, with the, I think it was a BMW i8, like the windows, the doors up, squatting down, you know what I'm saying? Just, you know what I'm saying? And then just, just flexing. And then Larry June's got so many. If you just go look up Larry June album covers, you will see he has nothing. This is a modern Bay Area artist. So I'm telling you like the influence of what these artists did from the album covers to how they conducted their business, it was studied by these modern Bay Area artists. Larry June has literally like six or seven, like almost all of his album covers have freaking cars, Mustangs, um what do you call Ashton Martin's, whatever. You know what I mean? I like his uh the best album he's had to me so far are Larry June and Spaceships on the Blade where he's posed, squatting, kind of like Kamaya was in that that album she had, mixtape she had, but he's squatting in front of two cars behind him. I, I'm not sure what kind of cars they are. They look like Ashton Martins, but he's like, it's like a marina or something. Actually, actually no, I want to go back on this car thing real quick. Before. So, I mean, I'm only talking about it, you feel me, because I feel like, whoa, whoa, this is. I just wanted to comment on it because it's something that's happening in my life. It's happened in my life. I want to share experience with what I got going on in my life. Cause I thought that all of it, how it converged and how I got here is kind of crazy. So I was just talking about the car culture, right. And, um, in Northern, in Northern California and the car culture, huh? Right, it, um, you can see it in the album covers of certain artists and stuff like that. Well, check this out. Um, you know, um, there's, like a huge it's like a parallel like I almost feel like there's like a car like a car culture that is parallel to the car culture that's uh like in the in the bay it's like there's a car culture that's just like that it's also as huge in the south so like like bro like you have like whites blacks and Latinos alike they they all have their own car cultures you know what I'm saying wherever it's like the Latinos you know you do like the low rider squats you know what I'm talking about and then, like, the, the small rims, you know what I'm saying, where it's scraping the bottom, you know what I'm saying. And then you have, like, the white guys in, who do the Carolina squad on those um Ford trucks, you know what I'm saying, or those Chevy trucks, those GMCs or whatever. And then you got the big old white and black dudes be pulling those big old dually trucks, you know what I'm saying. It's just, like, how we flip the car culture. Because, you know, like, in other countries, like, in, in continents, like, driving a pickup truck like is considered like less than. I don't know if y'all know that. Like is if you're in another country and you're driving a truck, it's kind of like you're a farmer cuz you need to put stuff on the back. So it's like nah. It's not looked at like that, but over here, you know what I'm saying, in the south, you know what I'm saying, like people white and black and latino are like flakes with like trucks, big and small, Tacomas, you know what I mean? Um um Silverados whatever. You know what I mean? Jeep Gladiators, whatever. Just that's a flex to have a nice big truck over here. But I think back to the car culture and how parallel. Me specifically, like on the African American side, I think it resonates with me because more like my cousin, the Rod. I actually called him before this podcast, and I had to call him. He was working, and he was like, "What's up?" And I was like, "Hey, I need your help." I was like. Uh, what was that DVD that you always used to like burn for me, and then you like let me like I would watch it, and it had all the cool cars and stuff, like car shows and stuff with all the um like the 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 like Chevy Donks and the um, Caprices and the Bubbles, and he was like, oh, that's called East Coast Riders, and I was like, oh, to, okay, uh, give me DVDs, and I used to watch uh, East Coast Riders, and basically a summation of what East Coast Riders is is you need to watch it <laughs> now just go on youtube and watch like east coast riders volume one two three like if you're a car person just even if you're not just for the aesthetic just look at how well crafted those cars are you know what i'm saying like they put time and energy and money like they took a car a lot of them like took, i know in texas their culture they take cars and bring them back from the dead like straight resurrect the car so but anyway yeah i mean it was just like East Coast Riders. I like, used to just sit down as like a twelve-year-old kid, and this is you know, um, two thousand East Coast Riders, and they and they what they do is like they'll put like artists that's around the area that's like maybe maybe underground or up and coming, Miami, Dade County to be specific, and Jacksonville Duval specifically. Or they could be popular, but they usually Underground, but they thrive in the Underground, and they'll play their songs, promote their songs, and they'll attach them to, like, the video, and they'll have the video running as B-roll. um, And then they'll have the videos running as B-roll, and then they'll have the music, you know what I'm saying, going on, and telling the story of them, like, riding cars and lanes and stuff. And, uh, like, I think that's just kind of, like, the same thing that Northern California does too, because they do that same type of stuff up there, but they don't call them like cars shows. They call them side shows. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where they're just doing all these donuts and stuff, or just just straight flexing in the in the in the middle of the road, or you know that type of stuff. You know, cl- clogging up traffic. So, um the Bay Area gives respect to the South. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's very deep connected. The Bay Area in the South. Um, When I look at it, it's not too far-fetched that I'm I'm doing an episode that's dedicated to the Bay Area. Because in the South, um, we had a migration that happened um, in places like New Orleans, Louisiana, Texas, um, Alabama, a lot of, like, Southwest areas. They just – it was, like, during – after – abraham lincoln was assassinated andrew johnson um you know pretty much made a deal with the devil himself and pretty much turned um reconstruction of the south into a um, opportunity for um just jim crow laws to grow like roots in the ground um but that's because of that and it was spread over through the south even in the most liberal places like new orleans where the the slavery or not slavery because after that point they're free the slaves but the treatment of blacks was it was still the same but it was a little bit more it had always been laissez faire there had always been like a synergy between the french creoles and the uh and the blacks but it was getting harder for them anyway you know to just escape persecution and just do have an abundance like people i think in life if people make changes like i'm about to talk about right now it means that they believe in abundance and i think that you should i think i don't think that life is meant to be in survival mode all the time Now i'm not i know i'm speaking from my my first world privilege so my audience that is in other countries please forgive me for my uh, slight ethnocentrism but I'm just saying, like if the go if the going is good and the getting is good, and you have a possible way. But like, shout out to my international people because you understand what it's like to pick up and just move from another country, not even just in like, you know what I mean. Arnold Schwarzenegger picked up from Austria and left. You know what I mean? Like, there's been countless people that have picked up from their country and left and come over here to America and built houses, uh, donut shops on car, you know, on car dealerships on on convenience stores, all you guys you got would come over here and make it so um that was kind of what we had over here except it was a migration with black people so check this out when the um, <clears throat> persecution got harder on blacks and there was just opportunity was just running out, these people that were in the southwest mainly they took up and went over to California, they migrated over there and some of them migrated over there during the California gold rush and then some of them migrated over there maybe earlier later but they ended up getting over there and when they got over there they rooted themselves in those communities throughout California and some of them were in Southern California and some of them were in Northern California. The ones I'm talking about are in Northern California so when they situated themselves there they created families and they created businesses and lives and what happened was they had kids and they had kids and they had kids and what I'm telling you is that those people that migrated and took that chance, um, t- their kids became these people that I'm talking about. Yeah, like those people, those descendants, the people that were doing the Bay Area music, you know what I mean? Like the Bay Area music is, is more than black people, there's, there's plenty of white people that uh, do it too, you know what I'm saying? Woody, uh, Crashawn, G Easy, just to name a few, but. There's plenty, of, there's plenty of white people. I'm just talking about, it's largely African-American culture, so I'm just trying to give it its r- respect. Do you feel me? So, it's like, you're, the people that I'm talking about are, you're descendants of people who wanted to escape persecution in their own country to come over and make a better better way. And so, that's how you get a lot of people that, um, a lot of a lot of people in California, if you ask them, they'll they trace their lineage back to the South, and they'll usually trace it back to the Southwest, so somewhere along Louisiana, Texas, Mississippi Delta, you know what I mean? Alabama. So yeah, that's um but East Coast riders, yeah, that was um that was something that was uh that was that was that was cool and um you know I just like that we have that because the South the the and because so because of the relationship between um you know family wise between the South and the Bay it works out, you know what I mean, because this goes along with music too as well, you know, I'm talking about music like Master P, so Master P, when Master P was trying to um, you know, get his life together, he moved his family and his brothers to Richmond, California and he opened up a record store called No Limit Records and um, he was doing music there for a while and then what happened was he uh, he ran into a man named St. Charles and um, I think his name is St. Charles Stevenson, but uh Steven, sorry. And then um and then um he taught him how to do the independent grind. Because here's the deal. Not only did the Bay Area not get radio play, the South didn't get radio play in the early stages of the golden era of hip hop as well. Which is why you had guys like Andre um Andre three thousand who went up on the Source Awards in the late nineties and said the South got something to say because they had gotten an award for, you know, like Emergent Duo and they were getting disrespected. That's Outcast, by the way. That was getting disrespected, yes. And um so he that's why he said that and so but it it, it if it was if it was prevalent in the late nineties when Andre three thousand said something, who has an album out with just playing flutes now. Um it's even more prevalent in the early '90s, like nothing, no movements happening. So we, as a South music scene, had to do an independent grind as well. And that's why you see a lot of parallels if you'll look and see. There's a lot of people that are on the independent grind in the in the music scene in in the South as well. Like they're not really for the label thing. They'll create their own labels and and they'll get artists in their own roster. But anyway, so St. Charles taught um, Master P about the independent grind, and then Master P um took the money that he made from Richmond in in his record store and he moved back to New Orleans and he started a record label called No Limit. And if you don't know anything about No Limit, that'll be for another that'll be in a for another episode, but Saint Charles wasn't done. You know, Saint Saint Charles Stevens also taught his nephew Earl Stevens Jr. how to do the independent grind as well and he formed a group um called The Click and The Click Composed of Earl Stevens, who also goes by E-40, also E-40 Fonzarelli, also tycoon known as um, E-40 Water, um, Scratchmaker, Skrilla, uh, The Bumble, I mean, The Politician. I mean, there's so many names for that guy. Uh, So E-40, Be Legit, or Be La, or uh, Be Legit the Savage. E-40 is a lyrical genius, by the way. Uh, E-40 was rapping for a lot of people. Or even like thinking about rapping for real, like he kind of like transcends like rap. He's just like, he's just after like Cool Herc and the, all that, you know. Like, he, he he literally like will give props to the originator of hip hop, like, and and like because he knew about that time. So, I think that that's kind of cool because he's still like thriving and he just put out like an album called Rule of Thumb. Um, but uh. Yeah, I mean, I was just listening to him. He put out a new album. Um, Rule of thumb, and one of the songs called High End. It's got Filthy Rich. It's got Gucci Man. And it's got uh, BG. BG. BG's from New Orleans. Well, Why do they still have a relationship? Because St. Charles had a relationship with Master P. Master P had a relationship with St. Charles. Went back to New Orleans, started New no Limit. So you don't think that they weren't working. Absolutely, they've worked together. I mean, literally, like... A lot of, and then by the way, Cash Money also saw what Master P was doing, and and they went up there. I mean, they've, they've got literal songs like um on um the Clicks 2001 album, Money and Muscle. Baby, uh, or Birdman, as we call him, is on the song. Is uh, he's uh, he's in the course Um, and and Sugar T also talks about um cash money on the song so it's like it's all they all work together because they all saw like they we, it, the south and the bay had to work together because none of us neither of us were getting radio play so we had to work together so anyway but yeah so speaking of sugar tea so it was like it was a uh, be legit uh he talks like he inhale, like he's talking while he sounds like he's talking while while smoke is inhaled in his lungs and that sounds super cool uh, And then you have Sugar T Who was probably Like like low key Like one of the pioneers of like Female hip hop Like Sugar T is like one of the first female rappers Point blank period You know what I'm saying Sprinkle Me It was like one of the first big female albums And rap period And then um, you got D-Shot The Shot Caller Which is the one I was just talking about His album cover with the white Hummer So you got that Um, And then he E48 Formed a clique, and then he made an album with them, and then he branched off and did his thing. But he also started uncle. His uncle Saint Charles told him that, and he also told him to start a company as well. So he started a company called Sick with Records. the Records. Sick with the Records has signed countless acts. I mean, countless, and they put out countless compilation albums. You know, what I mean, they had this one group that I thought that it was so cool, and I thought it was so interesting how the um the the nineties of hip hop it was either so good or just so saturated with other things that we completely missed these guys so like a1 is a group that e40 had signed in the 90s for these guys are amazing they had one album out called mash confusion and it was uh, slaps slaps by the way that is a that's a bay area term slaps the slap that's that's literally a bay area term some of the things that I was talking about previously was from um, grammy.com and right now it'll you know, it'll be, you know, it's my own stuff, but I'm also, you know, there's sources that help kind of bring the story together. So npr.org also has a um a, uh article on Bay Area hip hop and it's um it's how the Bay Area became a rap incubator with a chip on its shoulder, but um no, so it um it just celebrates um the bay area and uh you know I, I was talking about their culture you know their car culture their um pimp culture basically some social justice um and then they have a they have a um you know the dope culture you know what I'm saying and the funk music you know it's really funky the type of music they put together if you start listening to the way that things are put together is, is very funky sound also before i move on i just want to make it clear that You know, I I say like white and black, uh, and that's a very, very like black and white line. When I was saying like there's black and there's white Bay Area artists, listen, there's all types of Bay Area artists. It's endless from Larry June to Rex Life Raj, Kaylani, Sweetie. Listen, the Latinos have a big tone and the Savage Out. Saved out mob, like Savit out records, like that they are a staple and but Frisco from San Francisco. That's what they call it. San Francisco. They call it Frisco. But there there's there's all types of people that are in the Bay Area doing their thing ever since the early eighties. So this is where the story starts and um for my for my people who who are my age, I'm twenty nine, so millennials probably like twenty between the ages of like twenty seven and all the way to forty one probably. Um when we were in school, the Bay Area artists that you would probably remember when we were in school, I'm talking like in the eighth grade, all the way up senior year. So you probably heard E forty. He's one of them. You definitely probably heard two short two, like blow the whistle. That was like a popular thing. But really what you would have probably heard is Lil' B. You know, if you're around my age, you would have heard the, you know, the um I got my vans on, but they look like sneakers, the pack. And the B came, Lil B came out of that. And Lil B is like his own little niche artist. Like, Lil B like really spawned a lot of niche artists and people going out and doing really weird stuff on the track. Like, I see a lot of people who are direct derivatives of Lil B. I mean, people like McConan. McConan's from LA, actually. McConan, you know what I'm saying? Took some of Lil B's style. Cause I don't call it biting. I mean, if you, but he took, Some of his style added it to his own because everybody borrows from everybody. Um, Also, Lil B was very big on shouting out New Orleans. You know what I'm saying? Because he knew the connection that or New Orleans and the Bay had. So they're both port cities, by the way. That just happens to be a thing. Um, So yeah, we would probably people my age would probably know Lil B. uh, The Pack got my vans on, but it looked like and more like the Bay Area culture more than the music. It's more of like the culture came on us, like the the skinny jeans and the and the vans and the skateboarding culture. That's that's in that's in the Bay. You know what I mean? The the, the flannels. You know what I mean? We could put on where it's not too cold, cold, not too hot, and then you put on um some you know some Levi's, some five hundred one Levi's. You know what I'm saying? And some vans or some Nikes. That's a Bay Area right there. That like how you dress nowadays on the chill is probably in the fall. Especially, it's is, is probably you dressing like a Bay Area dude, or a Bay Area female. So back to the music, though. But, um, start So it starts with Too Short kind of, like, in terms of like, um, noticeable. So ever since the early 80s, when Oakland's Too Short began selling homemade tapes full of dirty raps, I remember I was talking about how they were able to kind of like um, have a wire, wide variety of creative control in their music because one, they weren't being paid attention to by mainstream and number two, they were doing it on their own. So they had to do their own thing. So it's like dirty raps to set menacing synth lines and trunk rattling 808s. The base formula for low end slaps, <laughs> Let me linguistic elasticity and independent entrepreneurship. So I was talking about, like they would have had to do their own marketing their own promotion The whole nine and flamboyant personalities have gradually trickled outward. The first major cross, uh, the first major crossover pop rap star that came from Oakland was MC Hammer. So, yeah, so MC Hammer is a Bay Area rap, and I was, you know, I'm glad that the article pulled it close because I'm talking about a lot of underground stuff. Because for me, when I listen to a lot of the Bay Area music, it is like still. From what I understand, it's still, you know, it's got its own little niche. So when I speak from it, I speak on the things like I'm really in, I really listen to Bay Area music. So, but I, you know, I didn't forget to name MC Hammer, but I was coming around to him. That was coming up. But listen to this the most important street rapper of all time cut his teeth in North, North, in the North Bay projects of Marin City. That is Tupac. Yes, Tupac. Started out when he got to California. He started out in the Bay. Yes, there's just something about that area. Not to mention, you know, would it be in the Black Panther Party's headquarters and Tupac, Tupac's family being involved in the Black Panther Party? I mean, he was born into it, basically. Um, you know, Oakland seemed like the place that where he came from, either Baltimore or New York, to set up shop. And I think that's where he met E40 and Spice One and all those guys and Sibo and then. They became really good friends. So, um, the most successful rapper-turned mogul, record mogul of the '90s, started his empire with a tiny record store in Richmond. Master P, as I spoke earlier about, today you can find traces of Bay Game sprinkled throughout Los Angeles, Detroit, Texas, Atlanta, Kansas City, San Diego, Seattle—practically everywhere, except of course New York. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people just to touch on it real quick. A lot of people think that uh, Tupac, you know, to live and die in LA type thing. Yeah, sure, but understand something. Like, Tupac really is a Bay Area artist. That's really, that's real hip-hop for you. Like, yes, like, one of Tupac's best and closest friends was E-40. That's real. There's nothing fake about that. So there's, I mean, there's pictures and videos of them i mean e40's element of surprise i think it's 1994 that came out um hope i don't go back i think was like the single for the track for the for the album and tupac's all up in the video with a versace shirt on like the coldest versace shirt is like gold blue and you know it's silk you know what i'm saying so it's just like and by the way the person who carried on like the silk tradition in hip-hop it's definitely Nasir Jones, Nas. Uh, I mean, you can definitely tell just like, like the dress code for Nas is definitely silk. You know what I'm saying? And I think he took that from Tupac because uh, he survived um, that time. Crazy, I, I said he survived that time. That's how dangerous the time was in the 90s. For all of the uh, influence the Bay Area have, has had on the contemporary rap, it feels disproportionately undervalued and misunderstood as I spoke of, yes. If not completely ignored in the national conversation. Or worse, still reduced to a mere punchline. Search Twitter for E forty raps. You know, like he's cool. He's oh, that's fun, you know, but they're not really paying attention to his style. Uh, sure, me baby. there's a lot of game. I don't know how else to say it. There's just a lot of game that they put into their to their to their music. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things that they're saying in their music and they don't really let the beat manipulate them. They manipulate the beat. I mean, for example, like there's a, there's, so they have like a funky thing where it's like, they have a good R and B uh, to rap ratio and a lot of their songs, but a lot of their songs, man, like I think is, I think is impressive. And when you can make a song where the beat kind of like sings for you, and you have parts in the, in the beat where, You can create a chorus and make the beat sing like that's how good some of these bay area artists are like they make um the song like you'd be like i'm waiting on the the girl to come in and sing or i'm waiting on the the man to come in and tie it up or i'm waiting on somebody to come in and like do the r&b part which they do have that you're waiting on that sometimes you like that and a lot of times you wait on that to clear that up but not like a song like the bumble by e40 like the beat sings for him you're like oh okay but you really gotta listen to it a lot To like understand that You know what I mean There's a lot of songs Where it's just like There's a song um, uh, out in, uh, in front of your mama house By Keek the Sneak And it's like It's just straight Like west coast Raw But it's like the he he sings the chorus like, but he's rapping the chorus, and it's just like, dang, that's kind of fire. You ain't even need no soulful stuff to put in there; it's just like real raw. It's real raw. The Bay Area rap canon is enormous. It was uh, certainly the most prolific of all pre-net, pre-internet rap scenes. Yeah, I mean, I was just talking about just the cover scenes, where there's hundreds. of... by the way, those scenes, those cover scenes that I'm talking about, the you can uh, and I'll have to when I get my live stream up and running, I'll I'll show you pictures of them, it, But it's like pen and pixel pen and pixel um is a company i think they're based out of houston texas they they still are around they were f- formed in 1992 so 31 years ago and then these guys named aaron and um sean branch um um well i mean th- it's kind of weird because they came out of retirement to make 21 savage and metro Boomin's um savage mode two. so if you look at the artwork that's what i'm talking about and then and, and it was heavily like cash money and no limit used their their um designs like heavy through the through the rap, like those like the bling rap albums covers you know what i'm saying where it's like bg um uh, juvenile you know 400 degrees you know what i mean like it, all that all that stuff so but here's the deal you need to go and look and just type in like you know e40 or um SIBO or keep the sneak, or um, three times crazy, um, San Quinn, any of those guys. messy Marm, look at some of their earlier, um, some of their earlier works. It's Pin and Pixel. Pin and Pixel did a lot of their graphics because it's just that was the relationship. It's a Southwest type deal, like the you know the Southwest and the the Southwest and the Bay have something going. And also it's a weird thing. It's the in the in, in somebody should let me know one of these days when we go back and forth with live stream. But Houston and um San Francisco also have a big big relationship as well, and it might be because of the migration. But you know, I, I, I'm not saying Georgia be, because like we, we yeah we we locked in the Bay and Atlanta as well, but not as much because like when the migration happened, Georgia people kind of went stayed on the East Coast and kind of went or they went to Florida or they went to um like Miami type stuff or they went to um Detroit or New York for more opportunity and stuff like that. You know the Carolinas they went to the East Coast. They didn't go to west. So a lot of the Southwest folks, a lot of the Gulf States on the South too, they went they went west, completely west. But yeah, so back to the article in the PR um so you, if you if you're talking about um if you're talking about uh just the different enormous um rappers uh the ra- prolific rappers you know and it had a prol- prolific rap scene before the internet even popped off. so these guys were hustling so in 1994 berkeley radio and berkeley was one of the places that i shouted out you know they're like you know college college town but they're in the northern california area they got some of the bay runoff berkeley uh radio journalist um berkeley is also where the university of Cal is. that's where aaron Rodgers. um play that and marshawn lynch who is also oakland native berkeley uh radio journalist billy jam was quoted in billboard estimating that local rappers have been putting out 15 to 30 new releases every week that's what i'm talking about that's that's the type of stuff that when we talk about like bay area rap we're talking about like hundreds of like like, hundreds of artists hundreds of artists significant ones like like each of them, like in the conversation, one of like working towards and building like a new collective rap language. Like they're all working together to build this slang, and they're not tearing one another down. So it's like the holy trinity is the holy trinity of Forty, Too Short, and the late um, Mac Dre. They only tell like a small fraction of the story. This episode is very, very, very comprehensive because it's hard for me to it's, to give all this to you in one go, but I'm going to give it my best shot. It's just like that. It's just, you know what I'm saying? The hillside and the crest side, you know, Mack from crest side and uh, 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 E-40's from the H-I-L-L side show, the hillside, and then two shorts from from Oakland, you know, 40 minutes across, you know what I'm saying? So, but that's but those three guys, as important as they are, they don't even tell half, I, half of the story. A handful of crossover classics from the region, um, tell me where to go and that might be one of the songs you remember too like there was a hyphy movement and it was like 06 but i don't really i didn't really take notice to that really because i was in middle school and i i was really on like the ti um king of the south jeezy um i hadn't been introduced hard to uh gucci man yet um probably so icy was the most i got i started listening to gucci man probably like around 08 09 but before that it was like my cousin had mixtapes with um, various artists, but one of the big ones he had was Young Jeezy, you know, and Can't the Snowman. That's probably what I was listening to around then. And DJ Drama, you know, was, yo, draw snowman. Snowman, what's the bit? But, okay, but I ain't going to get into all that because we're on Bay Area Rap. So you talk about Tell Me When to Go came out around, like, 06, 7, 8. E-40, Keek the Sneak. Um, tell me when to go tell me when to go dun, 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 dun. so it's so funny because like the lyrics from like that I like remember from that song because I like I listen to it a lot I listen to it a bunch and it's like keep the sneak like if you just listen to him like he's one of the most fascinating characters like in rap like nobody sounds like him like he sounds like he speaks with like a gravel of rocks in his throat like I'm that 18 dummy juice Ragga Man, labeled the Black Zeus, King of the Super Duper, and y'all wiping shit on. From the Beta to A, yeah, no, nah, it's like it's you just have to go listen to it. It's like, um, uh, it's so good, it's okay, says, like, you know, Eighteen Hundred, Jose Quavo. da 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 me, da tell me when to go. Um, you got blow the whistle by Two Short, blow the whistle. Oh, whistle. So as a personal trainer, I used to play that. Like when I was, I, there were some um drills. I had it, it blow the whistle. I blow. I would play that. But anyway, um, I got five on it. But the loonies, you know, I got five on. Yes, they're Northern California. I get around. I get around is a Tupac song, guys. Yeah, I get around.
1: Uh-huh. stop up, stop up, stop up, round around
0: why well, i ain't call you <laughs> please <laughs>
1: so, <laughs>
0: these rappers are funny bro <laughs> these musicians are funny pot really got down with um the bay really he got down with this group in um in the bay called digital underground that's who he really got on with you know i'm talking about his friends like Sibo, spice one e40 that's like friendship type stuff like he really got down business-wise with um digital underground and then you got 93 to Infinity, um, the Humpty Dance, which I just referenced the group that made that digital underground. And you can't touch this, which is MC Hammer. But guess what? That like barely scratches the surface of, 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 of the Bay Area. That's not even that's not even close to what's what's going on. That's not even close to being done. The roughest sketch of Bay Area, uh Bay Rap history goes like this uh, shorts tape, hustle spreads up i-80 an interesting egg for you guys first the richmond where teenagers magic mike and calvin t applied their real life experience so i don't know too much about magic mike and calvin t i have to do more research on them i'm still in for those people who happen to tune in and you live in california or you're in northern california or you're a bay native or you're just you know california in general if i'm getting some things wrong you know i apologize you know I, i'm still very novice you know um I'm blessed to whenever um, there's maybe three or four times out of the year where for work I have to go to California, and uh, and I have to go to Sacramento, and so um, that that was kind of like that was it's it's a lot of stuff that worked in my life to get me up to this point to where I'm talking about this, but it's just it's a, it's like a it's like a it's like a vibe that got on me and it won't get off, you know what I mean? So, but I, I'm still doing my research, you know, like more and more about the Bay, so. Forgive me cuz I'm pretty novice um even though I enjoy the culture um so Magic Mike and Calvin appeal applied applied their real life experience in the streets are uh, similarly homebrew underground tapes argu- arguably arguably inventing the genre of pimp rap in the process. It's a lot of mac and out there, it's a lot of fancy man out there, it's a lot of a lot of grandstanding. you know what I'm saying? A lot of a ma- lot of macaroni, a lot of macaroni uh culture out there, you know what I'm saying? A lot of that, so they in turn would inspire uh, an entire generation of Vallejo rappers, um, including E Forty and Mac Dre. So after, you know, Too Short, Calvin Teezy, and Magic Mike. That's how E Forty says it. Like he, he, like he's like, I grew up on Too Short, Calvin Teezy, and Magic Mike. You know what I mean? It's on the song called "Pimps, Players, and Hustlers." It's on his album called "The Politician: um, Grit and Grind." And uh, that was the first song. The first song I ever heard from E40 it was my cousin Rod. You know, he, bur- you know, I tell him he burned the CDs and he had various artists on well, One of them was the song, it was E40 off of his Grit and Grind Politician album. It was a uh, uh, fabulous, featuring Fab Automatic Systematic. Get it on what you do, play Just keep that money on your mind. On your mind. And Ball of status, ball of stats. Get on what you do, player. Just keep that hustling on you grind. No, it's like it's it's legit. It's fire. Like so, that was the first song that I heard. You know, like when you hear something, like you just turned out, like and you don't even know it. Like, like bam, like Manny Fresh, who is a uh, New Orleans native. You know, Cash Money, all the funky beats. Like that's 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 Manny Fresh. So, um. Big time, but you know what's going on, you know what I'm saying Uh He was like, the first song he ever heard was Good times, that set it off on Good times every Good times Like that's what set it off for him So for me, like what set it off On this journey was like when I was younger You know what I'm saying, <laughs> probably like 8 Hearing Automatic By E40, but Yeah, so um After Calvin T Magic Mike and Too Short Um E-40 and Mac Dre came along and they're perhaps the most naturally charismatic lyricist to ever come out of the region. I had a friend, you know, Jamari, shout out Jamari Narcisse, and uh, he um, actually was taken to the Bay, not by choice, but by force. So I heard and, you know, um, when he was telling me about it at one time, you know, he really enjoys Mac Dre as an artist. I'm not really into Mac Dre. But he he likes Mac Dre and Andre Nicotina. so that's what he likes. But you know, I was talking to him about E Forty. He's not really too much of a fan of E Forty. Just he just prefers Mac Dre more. But um, um, by the mid nineties, uh, the skeletal bedroom um beats first heard um on trunk tapes had evolved into denser, more musical sort of funk known as mob music. So yeah, yeah, you know, it's, I was talking about the Saved Out mob, uh, Out records. With big tone and like that's what they call like that that music it's like a certain type of funk. Like I don't I'm 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 not as learned in in this culture, but you know, like it's a certain type of just real, you know what I'm saying? Like high, high, high energy, but it's like real on some real chill stuff and it's just real funky. Like you gotta check it out sometime. Like just type in mob music on Spotify and just start going. It's got a playlist. M O B B. And so it's just mob music is what they call it. And the spearhead and it's, it's it's mob music. It's like it's like mob music. Uh, it's like pimp culture first. And from the way I see it, it's like pimp, pimp culture, mob music, um highly directional, maybe, with the keek the sneak and three times crazy, um G fourteen classified, raw and uncut, and then and then the hyphy movement, like just like that, bam, like right into the hyphy movement, early two thousands. Like like right into it. Um, and the only reason I point out Keek the Sneak and like his cause he's like kinda like the godfather of hyphy. That's like a whole he's like the godfather of hyphy. But he's gonna give the credit to Mac Dre and he's gonna give the credit to E forty because that's who he came up from up, up under, you feel me? So it's like that's how I see it. And so Vallejo spearheaded by Vallejo producers like Kyrie and Mike Mosley. There's also shout-out to Sam Bostic. People don't mention that. Shout-out Sam Bostic. He's hard. San Francisco, he's in the sick-witted clique as well. San Francisco um, was de- also developing its own stable of hard-headed street rappers like RBL, Posse, I- and IMP, whose front man, Coughnut, sounded like he had smoked 100,000 cigarettes before each session. No, it's like... That's the same thing like "Kick the Sneak sounds like he smoked a thousand new poison just went into the booth it. just let loose. Meanwhile, a per- parallel scene of underground backpack rappers was also taking form led by crews like Hieroglyphics and Living Legends who typically favored more traditional East Coast boom rap, boom bap production but infused it with Bay Area neo-hippie sensibility and distinctly inter- extra- um, experimental West Coast flows. They had their own hustles going to slinging tapes to college kids in Berkeley and becoming one of the first rappers uh, anywhere to take full advantage of the Internet as marketplace. Yeah, so in the 90s, you know, when the 90s came to a close, the bass seemed like it was beginning to fizzle. Some of its biggest stars had either outgrown the scene or gotten stuck in nowhere major label deals. uh cause eventually like what happens is the labels call and they do take deals cause some people are tired of doing it independently. Like some people just don't want the responsibility anymore. Um, or, you know, they feel like they can get a better deal from, from, a, from an industry. And so people just kind of stop doing that eventually if they, you know what I mean? But, but Mac Dre, w- um, who sought out much of the decade while serving time in prison, um, Or trumped up conspiracy charges related to bank robbery that never actually happened had returned. Yeah, so that was the difference. Yeah, like so, Mac Dre died prematurely, but before he died, he got out of prison, and he got out of prison right as the nineties came to a close, and pretty much like for the Bay Area, like he kind of like took over, um, in that certain space. You know what I'm saying, like. One of his biggest songs is I'm in the building and I'm feeling myself si- my si- I feeling myself. feeling <laughs> myself. You know what I mean? So it's like um for for me, like he was one of those underground artists that came to light. Um but people give people show him so much love that he, he's not really I mean, he's almost like Jay Dilla status. Um if y'all don't know who Jay Dill is, he's a legendary producer. I know Mac Dre's not a producer, but it's just like like when they talk about you like a cult figure like that. That's kind of like where he is. So if if you know how big Jay Dilla is to artists and fans alike, then you know what I'm talking about when I say Mac Dre is on the Jay Dilla level. So, um, he came back home in '96, actually. Yeah, so close to the end of the '90s, forging um the gangster pretenses of mob music in favor with a looser, freer, sillier persona. Yeah. So he he was just real. um, He was a lot less mob. And more uh more hippier, you know what I mean? More more along the lines of like the pimp culture and the dope and the dope culture, you know what I'm saying? Just flower child type stuff, but rapping on a beat and still making it funky. So he was um real California, you know what I mean? Kinda like he picked up a little bit of like San Diego and Monterey and LA and threw it in the bay, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he was just echoing trends around him, maybe. And uh, it says XC usage usage was on the rise in side shows the impromptu streetcar shows that have been popular since the two short era were more chaotic than ever. So I'm telling you, like the side shows, they'd be clogging up, they'd be clogging up, clogging up traffic, bro. So impromptu NPR is talking about this. I'm telling you so. Or maybe it helped uh, trigger them. Um. Either way, by the early 2000s, producers like Fairfield by the by way of Alabama immigrant Rick Rock and San Jose's Tracks a Million, shout out to Tracks a Million R.I.P., had begun to catch up on this energy by stripping the funk back down to his bare essentials. Just that 808 slap and some simple synths, but they also cranked up the tempo. This new sound sound helped give a second win to E-40 style and launched the solo career of East Oakland's Keek the Sneak, which I had talked about. Already because that's how I saw it. Like, I, I've i done a lot of research on this, so it's, I'm just telling you, like, he's he's a big part of the Bay Area guy. So, um, Keith the Sneak, of formerly of the Mob era group, Three Times Crazy. So, yeah, Three Times Crazy, it had him, Keep the Sneak, it was Bart or BA, and Ager Man, you know what I'm saying? And, um, they released their, um, they released uh, one of their albums was in the 90s, Stacking Chips, and it was. It was so freaking good man. That's um keep it on the real is the, the the single from it. Keep it on the real is um keep it on the real is an um is one of my episodes names. One of my in my intro. My intro is even like it's three times crazy keep it on the real like it's it's like if you hear it it's just small in there but I ain't gonna give you all too much, you know what I'm saying? You got to fish this out for yourself but keep gave the movement a name. Hyphy short for hyper interact, hyperactive, which I was just talking about it, it literally goes like pimp culture um, mob music highly directional hyphy like <laughs> and it's in this distinctive voice merging 40 type jello flows with an almost incomprehensible rasp and cough nut lineage but Keek's distinct is very very unique like you have to listen to him He's very unique. So, tragically, Mac Dre died, and Jack, Mac Dre was murdered in 2004, and he became a martyr to the scene. Like, I'm telling you that like he's on Jay Dillow level, um, just as major labels were beginning to catch wind of it. So, that sucks that he was just getting popular, and he got killed. Yeah, he got killed Um, doing a show in Kansas City. There's, like, a relationship between the Bay Area and, and Kansas City as well in the Midwest, and he was doing a show there, and he got killed. Um, he was just in a van on the way back from a show I think and um there uh there was retaliation uh Mac the minister who was who was who is a Bay Area artist um killed Fat Tone I think who was supposedly allegedly responsible for it but it came out later that he wasn't so I think um Mac minister is doing time that for nothing and um so just um signing up hyphy acts like the federation and mr fab and pegging them as the bay's answer to atlanta's crunk movement um a comparison that vastly underestimated the caliber of rap it was like i think labels major labels saw hyphy and um too short talked about this on um Vlad tv and he was like he thought that the bay area scene when it finally started getting Noticed outside of MC Hammer and um, like just other stuff that is like not really Bay. Like when the Bay started getting noticed, it got start. It started in rap. It started getting noticed for Hyphy, and Hyphy is just people doing a whole bunch of dumb shit. Like they're just going outside of the windows and they're just hanging out out the window I mean, they do this thing called Ghost Riding the Whip, and they just like I guess put the car in neutral and go get outside and just. But they start like dancing and walking and all those stand on top of the car. It just literally, they go stupid. That's what Too Short said on on uh, Vlad TV. And he just said that he felt like it became commercialized. And when they started putting it, they started branding and it, it was bad. So I think that this is kind of like sad because like when you put the crunk, like Atlanta's crunk, crunk movement is more like energy. You know what I'm saying? It's not even that it was just not lyrical. It's just that's not what it was for. The crunk movement in Atlanta was just energy, energy, energy. And it hosted by Little John. You know what I'm saying? It might as well have been the late night show with Lil John. You know what I'm saying? And that, and that's okay. We're cool with John are doing that. We're lo, freaking lose it. Get out of your m- I mean, but that's that's a that's a newer song, you know. Snappy fingers, the all that. Like the snap movement, dude, we're not looking for lyrics, we're looking for a good time. And that's cool. That Atlanta music derived from Miami bass, shake booty music, you know what I'm saying? With, uh, with uncle Luke, you know what I'm saying? And he has, he had his own record label too and stuff. You know, he actually like, he won a, a, a battle in court that pretty much allowed for explicit content to be put on, on wax. And when labels tried to make the Bay's hyphy movement, um, comparable to Atlanta's rap crunk scene, Atlanta's crunk movement, it was just, it kind of like, The crossover just never really made sense, and it did happen though. It was like the BME click and um and E40, they got together and they you know they did tell me when they go they did the video and everything and they did um snap your fingers, do your step. That was all like that you know, you know who's in that song? Snap your fingers, do your step. You can do you know who's in that song? E40 is in that freaking song, guys. Walking around the club, what do I see? Like that's, come on, bro. Um, but uh, the crossover never quite happened. Only Forty and Keeks, Lil John's produced "Tell Me When to Go," which I just spoke of, got any real traction nationally. But the hyphy impulse continued to resonate locally well in the two thousand into the two thousand tens. So it did well like locally, and a lot of artists kind of got on that train wave, and they they divvied out from there. Like one of the people that he wasn't hyphy, but he was around that time was R- filthy rich filthy rich is from uh deep east oakland and uh filthy rich was able to put out mixtapes filthy rich is sort, something, toward a, something sort of like a like a bay area like a bay like a bay area future you know what i'm saying he just one of those workaholics he never stopped he never stopped putting out music he never stopped going and when he first got out people I, people were feeling him real hard and he just never quit you know phil his, his name is phil he just called himself so filthy rich. I think that's kind of funny. Um, these rappers be funny, bro. So so which, with Richmond artists like um, HBK Gang, um, Going Minimal, and uh, East, uh, Oakland's Ezel and Vallejo's SOB and RB, cranking it to further extremes, reconciling it with its early roots via big 80s electro-funk and freestyle samples. Even today, the hyphy spirit lives on in the Bay um tell me when to go and other 2000s hits like Dre's feeling myself and shorts build whistle remain in permanent rotation on the next generations uh like uh, san francisco stunning man o2 and hbk's pillow rack up um post hyphy hits and so now i want to get into the with the true bay area rap fans um probably talking about Dude, the true bay the true bay Area rap fans reading this are surely clocking it it's many omissions, and, and, and because the story is infinite. I'm telling you, this story about Bay Area culture and rap, the music scene, it is, like, I'm telling you, like, if you're a Bay Area person, and I'm talking about this, you're like, bro, you're you're leaving out so many people. You didn't even talk about Stunner Man. You didn't even talk, talk about SOB. You didn't even talk about. Bro, listen, it's like that y'all probably asking, where is the Jacka? Where is 415? Where is Andre Nicotino? Where is the Pack? Which I had just mentioned. That's that's my that's my age group. We know the Bay Area from the Pat type stuff, you know, and Lil B, where Selsky, Kamaya. I mentioned Kamaya as well. Oh, by the way, um, oh, Kamaya that album or that it's a song. It's not an album. There's two songs where she's there's two song covers. You know, they put album covers on everything now. But there's two covers where she's got sitting on a car or she's sitting next to a car. Where it's like Oakland Nights, which is her kick this knee in capolo and it's like black and white and she's sitting on her car and it's not a i i looked at it it's not a bmw it's something else something foreign i think and then it's one that she's like stretched down i mean she's on knees and bent and she's looking forward with the doors up with the Lamborghini doors up it's called fwi it's a song so shout out Kamaya. Say I feel you, I really do. But there, there may not be enough space anywhere to contain all the stories. For real, I'm so glad. Like I'm doing like a podcast, bro. Like this is this is. I don't know how long I've been talking about this. It's hard to it's hard to get it all off because there's so much. So it's like once the rest of you have been bay pilled, you too will
1: experience these slights.
0: Just as a test, I'm for real, man. Like it's like, bro, like it's hard to talk about this but you know i like talking about it because it gets me excited you know what i'm saying it gets me excited to to share this experience because this is like these people and what they do this is like it's a source of energy as to why i do my thing like i listen to this music on a daily when i'm working out and everything so you'll begin to see um the regions under acknowledged impact on everything around you (laughs) we don't talk about how too short producer ant banks and shock g of digital underground were both fusing rich parliament funkadelic inspired instrumentation with traditional hip-hop production methods long before southern california claimed g-funk as its own brand and that's what i was like who's really doing what you know what i mean like you see like what ice cube and all those guys did but it's telling you like in the early 80s like too short was doing music in california so who really started this stuff first? And I know Two Short was talking about something completely different, but you're talking about California you had a fong era with like Warren G and um Nate Dogg and all that. Who you, who you think did it first? So, HBK's um production prefigured YG and DJ Mustard's ratchet music blow up. Yeah, I mean, if you look at YG, YG just made actually a, a song called Platinum and he made it in West Oakland which if you know anything about West Oakland it's Dogtown USA he was in West Oakland he made a video for Platinum with him and Tyga they're both like uh, California dudes and they just were showing love to Oakland so YG is definitely influenced by Oakland and um, you know for him it's like you know it goes so deep where it's like the Raiders like he doesn't even acknowledge like like Las Vegas Raiders He, he acknowledges like la and oakland raiders that's what, that's what i'm saying like that's what real the bay area people like they don't recognize like it goes down to like the damn teams guys like they don't recognize the las vegas raiders it's it's usually oakland raiders you know what i'm saying like when you go play oakland you know you're going to the what the what the black hole yes the black hole those that was a really different time think about it man like john madden john madden coach Close to Oakland Close to Oakland I think he wants three Super Bowls to Oakland Maybe two, I don't know Came out with Madden That's Bay Area stuff right there, buddy Stephen Curry Stephen Curry plays in the Bay He's one of the best shooters to ever do this In the Bay Sir Yeah, it, a lot of things go There's some reason that's always cringing up there Things are always bubbling up there But Um did, did the slow hook on E-40's Carlos Rossi directly impact Houston uh, inspired you know, Houston's DJ Screw Would the current uh, Would the currently buzzing Michigan rap Renaissance have happened all, At all without the years of social media And sonic kinship with the bay No no definitely You definitely see like um. Things like BFP Pac-Man T Grizzly Um Babyface Ray, um, Baby Tron. You see a lot of those guys, like, they rap how they try catch up to the beat and slow down, and like, they really just take control of the beat and they wrap up with the beat and overwrite the beat. Like, they save, overwrite it. You know what I'm saying? They like, type in the, and they, you know, they move it over to the desktop when it's already on the desktop. Do you sure you want to overwrite this? Yes, yeah, so I'm a, so, That's how they rap. You see what I'm saying? Like, they'd be like, they, the way that they rap is like if you have like a computer and you click um go or you click you know like you type in a um website and you click enter and it, it do the blue spinning and you still clicking you still clicking you still clicking to wait for the less the, how they rap like it's like hold up just give it a second to think like give the beat a second to, no so <laughs> running in front of the beat i think that's cool you know some people call it like trash but man like to even like who even gave you the idea that you can rap like that so anyway i know i know i can't can you um could clouds could soundcloud rap even exist if not warped vision and compulsive uh productivity of berkeley eccentric little b the bass god? you see what i'm saying has east oakland's kray been underrated as an influence on the current wave of bratty female rappers, that's a thing. And how many Drake songs have directly ripped lyrics from Bay Area rappers? And did you know Outkast cited Souls of Mischief as a primary inspiration? Or that E-40 is one of Kendrick Lamar's favorite rappers? Or that Zaytoven, a mel- uh, listen before I even say, listen, Zaytoven is a mel- uh, melodic architect um, of Atlanta trap, and he got his start in San Francisco. Listen. I got to tell you about Zaytoven for my people because I know a lot of people listen in Georgia. So if you... I'm going to put you on game. Zaytoven, um, one of the first songs you ever heard from him was So Icy. He produced that. Okay? Gucci Man, Lil Jeezy. Okay? Zaytoven tells a story about that Um, on um, Vice. Yeah vice um i forgot what it was but it was just showing atlanta and whatever but he was talking about that incident and uh he was like yeah i had to go back home because i was cutting hair so i had to go back home and get the beat and bring it back to the studio and he said when he played it he was like yeah i just got from the bay area san francisco and so when he was playing it it was bay area beat you know that that all these girls are excited. I'm so icy. You know my charm. Look at my charm. My ha- my chain hang down like that is Bay Area uh, uh, uh a beat. And he was like, David um, wasn't feeling it at first. Like the people in the room weren't weren't digging it, but they got they got used to it and they put them on a track. So one of the first things to start Atlanta trap music was a Bay Area beat. <laughs> So how about LA is the game? So the game got his start um, up under JT, the bigger figure, who is absolutely a pioneer of San Francisco music. Um, oh, and um, it says, oh, have you heard of Filthy Phil, <laughs> Richmond rapper, coined the phrase "player haters." So yeah, I mean, like you know, some of y'all out there have those PHDs, man, those player-hating degrees, man. Uh, Messy said in the film where they call it Pimpin' Hoggin' and Doggin' but we'll we'll move on Talk about the Bay Area I just want to bring it all together Uh, Where to start With Bay Area Rap so uh, You can start here with these These songs Literally the timeline goes Like from top to bottom of where We're at now it's like Too Short the song Cuss Words 1989 IMP Scandalous 1989 E40 Mr. Flamboyant 1991 RBL Posse, don't give me no Bammer, 1992. Safir, that's S A A F I R. Light sleeper in 1994. Keep the sneak. Um, t-shirt, blue jeans, and Nikes. Featuring E Forty. 2003. Mac Dre, get stupid. Uh, to a remix. 2004. The Jacka, never blink. Featuring Jay Stylin and Dub Twenty in 2005. Lil' B's, the bass God, like a Martian in 2009. And then Ezel, five minutes of Funk Town. So um that was that was in a nutshell kind of what I wanted to talk about. Uh it was yeah, the Bay Area, Bay Area Rap and how those things go. Honestly, I mean you can you can you can start in another place. Like you don't have to start there. Um I know for a fact that I'll tell you right now before we end the show i'll tell you um what the name of the songs were and who sings them on the name of my uh on the name of my episodes i'll do that for you right now and so okay um the first episode that i named after um bay area music will be episode three Town business city situation. That's actually an album. Um, it's it's the whole album's name is called Welcome to Skokland. So S K O C K L A N D. Town, uh, town business city situation, or uh, as they would say, um, city business town situation. Whatever you want to call it. Um, it's uh, it's it, the album is, was done by Keek Desnica and San Quinn. Keek the sneak is from East Oakland, and um, uh, well, he's born in Alabama, but he pretty much grew up in Oakland. And then um, San Quentin is from the Fillmore District of San Francisco. Um, and they made an album that kind of like sonically joined the two cities together, or the two places together on the, in the Bay, Oakland, and San Francisco, called it Oakland. So... Episode 5, Keep It On The Real. Keep It On The Real is a uh, is a song by Three Times Crazy, which is Keep The Sneak, B.A. or, or Bart and Ager Man, but you can just type in Three Times Crazy. That's 3X and then K. Crazy. Um, it's on their Stackin' Chips album, but they were an act signed under C-Bow, um, the rapper that was big friends with Tupac. He also had an album out nice i'm called enemy of the state um back to life is a song off of the album welcome to skokland city business town situation with keep the nigga and Quinn. so it's a really good song um so is keep it on the real um keep it on the real is uh it's just real smooth and real real like r&b um like a rap put onto it um back to life is is it's really kind of all over the place but it comes together probably like maybe like in the second verse with san quinn when he starts rapping like he's like a militant like like when, when you hear san quinn rap he raps as if he even though he's not rapping about it he raps as if he could be a leader of like a, a division under the black panther party he's he's his voice sounds militant he's not talking about anything militant but his voice sounds militant so obstacles is um obstacles is all, not only a song on the um on the album for the so these guys are like that's what i'm saying like you got to be a hustler like they so obstacles is the reason i say is because obstacles like not only is it a song but it's a song on an album that's a score for a movie that they made (laughs) called obstacles it's it's a good movie It's it's a hood movie you gotta watch it it's got d shot in it um Brian Hooks, like, Brian Hooks is, a, is that comedian that was, um, I don't know if he was in Pootie Tang or not, but, um, those of you who know Brian Hooks, you know what I'm talking about. Brian Hooks was, like, one of those actors, those comedians in the 90s who was just, they call him caffeine in the movie, because you'll see he's just super wired, just all over the place. Uh, Probably Kevin Hart probably took a lot from Brian Hooks and added it to his game. Actually, Brian Hooks is in Soul Plane. Yeah, he's the guy that's always trying to get freaky with, uh, some more. On, um, who's also a woman comedian, always trying to get freaky with some more on the plane. You know, you know who Brian Hooks is, so yeah, so it's Brian Hooks, it's um, that dude that uh played in um Miracle at St. Anna, he was that big old black dude. I forgot, his name. he's just huge, he's like an offensive lineman. Um, but if, if you he he was a rich get Richard die trying, he was a fat dude named Carl who was drug dealing 50 Cent. So he's got him in there and then they got E-40 and D-Shot. And, um, yeah, so that's (laughs) Obstacles is the name of a song, but it's also the name of a movie that they made. Those guys are hustlers for real. They made a movie. That's crazy. And it's a good movie too. (laughs) Um, episode eight, Too Much, Too Much is a song by, um, uh, it's a a song off the album, Welcome to Skoklyn. It's by Kick the Sneak and San Quentin, like, um, um, Episode 9, Six Figures, D-Shot, obviously. Uh, episode 10, Ballaholic. Ballaholic is um, off of the... Uh, off of the uh, Charlie Hustle blueprint, blueprint of a Self-Made Millionaire um, album. Um, it is... Uh, that's also like a Pen and Pixel uh, album cover, too. It's got E-40 sitting in a plane, a private plane. So, um, that that is also... Too, these guys are real hustlers. Like shout out to them. Like they got me really inspired. Like they got me thinking that I can, you know, do it, do this podcast, and do other things to support this podcast and and get things cracking just like that. Like that. What I just told you, Charlie Hustle, um, Blueprint of a Self Made Millionaire. That is that is a that is an album, but it's also a score to E40's documentary that he put out of, for himself. Because honestly, like. I mean, when you see somebody do that, like when you see E40 talk about like how influential he is to the Bay, he's not, he's not doing it to be arrogant. He's not doing it to be like over braggadocious and like, look at how great I am and look how smart. No, that's not even how he's coming. He's just letting you know, like, hey, man, I've been putting in my time. I've been putting in my time, like since I was a youngster, you know what I mean? Like. He just letting you know, like, hey, I really do this when I take my craft serious, and I respect that to the highest. And so, um, yeah, so the Ballaholic is a song on that album, and it's got him, and he's got his crew that he signed, um, A One, which had that one album, um, uh, Mash, Mash Confusion. Um, they they go pretty hard on that song. That's a pretty good song. But uh, we can bubble up, episode eleven. That's off of Welcome to Skokloland. Welcome to Skokloland is a really, really uh good album to me. You know what I mean? Um, it's really, really good. Um, and then, uh, episode 12 explosive mode. So explosive mode is, uh, is the first, uh, album slash mixtape the way that, I mean, everything's like a mixtape album on Spotify now, but like, I'm just saying like, um, it's from what I, it looks kind of like mixtape ish, but I, I can't tell. Um, explosive mode uh, with messy Marvin San Quinn, and um the classic and they had like two or three more explosive modes like it like it's still explosive mode the mob gets explosive like it's explosive mode because it's <laughs> <laughs> that album is very explosive like there's a lot going on in that album um and then um episode thirteen the Frisco baby the frisco baby is and that's, that's, i didn't even talk about i didn't even talk about juice I didn't even talk about Juice. Juice is a successful um Juice is a successful independent artist in the Bay that came up in the late 90s and he also came up in the early 2000s. He came out with Bullies with Foolies mixtape. Like for my for my real like Bay Area hip hop fans like that Bullies with Foolies mixtape. If you got a Bullies with Foolies mixtape and you're a Bay Area artist like you did that. That's a staple. Uh so um Bullies with Foolies um it was bullies with foolies and messy Marv had a bullies got a bullies with bullies and, um, it's called the infrastructure. And it's, 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 it's real hard. Like it goes hard, bro. Like, so shout out to juice. You know what I mean? That's G a, uh, that's G U C E juice. And, um, but yeah, he's, he's a, uh, he's got his own thing going, you know what I mean? Like filthy rich has got a, um, bullies with bullies tape. Um, Manip has a, a bullies with with fullies mixtape, um, you know. So, I mean, it's really important if you got something going on with juice. But yeah, I just wanted to talk about that and get like you know to wrap this all up to give to give my um, flowers to the bay um, because in in artists artist and I know I missed a ton of history and I missed a ton of things that um sp- that I was supposed to speak on about the bay, but. Hopefully, you know, you, you, you know, you can accept what I put out and I'll put out more things about other things and and how I feel about those as well. But for today for to, for this episode, you know, I was just, I really had, it was really on my spirit to put this out. So, you know, you guys have a, um, you have, you guys have a good night I'm gonna go lay down and go to sleep. Okay. This has been talks radio hosted by Tevin West. Well, yeah.
1: Them same motherfuckers ain't worth two cents What you know about the boner, sick like J. Jonah So duck when I bust, as I been your corner So what you wanna do, rhyme wrecker? Meet this rap shit, you neglect her. I'm living our sector
2: with that weak word. You leave that bitch with your fucking feelings hurt. Never let them see a sweat. See, a vet. I bring pain, but lame niggas seem to forget. See it, like I can see it, boy, this shit stay fat. C.O.D's no free no boy, they can't fade that. I keep it cracking, cause I can remember way, way back when. Heard I was rapping and thought the shit wasn't fat then. I'm back then, watching these bitches spend their last 10. On these flip-flop like this flip-flop niggas, I see they ass.
1: Westside Connect, put the news on ya. Get the snap in the neck. I'm like Sub-Zero. Voila! I'll make you freeze. I'm way too cold, nigga. Don't fuck with me. My enemies gon' get our taste. Everyone is like death. Food. There's no escape,
2: we play this shit, both cash and fame Doin' yeah. the muscles that you motherfuckers retro game Segregated game, and I blame my clip The flame I spit, dudes try to change my shit And get caught up in the rap Quickly, I get they ass to change their whole game plan Man, it don't last, there's somethin' about the shit Make they ass they pay. just enough to keep a young nigga Neck pave, we be in it for the long run Don't get it wrong, son, can when they bitch made Cause they be on one,
1: Boy, I'm tryna to told ya, sick with it, soldier. I'm a heavyweight, I'll fold ya. Featherweight, why do niggas love to wreck and hate? But you can't really hate. All oh, these A1 cats, we spit to you know. And now down like that. Put a D in your raw cap from the basin, when you done with your listen I'ma spit in your face because you didn't have no faith Yeah, man, I know you doubted like a bitch in the crowd A1, now you uh, shouted, I ain't uh, mad at ya uh, Nigga, I'm glad at ya Stand in there like a goddamn stature Mouth wide open, hoping that we fall A1 got fire food for all of y'all I laugh at them beats, man,
2: what they cost it Should've come some real dope from Sam Boston Yeah, I bring it cause I paid it, yeah this is the best to be correct. Be in this shit. I move slow, so you all bred niggas can peep the logo. A dash one, sit with it, in it is like a photo. Take a close look, it ain't the same, but don't trip. From the brain, I'll tame. Slang game when I spit. Try to get it while I'm in it. The floss with my niggas. Committed so I hit it, for falsified niggas. Everything I bring about. My profit is I clock it. Niggas know they can't stop shit. I keep it something like a dump truck. Pump it like a pump, Come Mob ass shit to make your trunk run Serious about it, real best to that dumb feedback, though, as I let my G stack more I serve my middle as I continue to get them stuck, y'all As I represent spinning for camp Fuck y'all, fuck stack she, she can't, stack she can't my shit.